Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Bono and The Edge walk into a bar. The barman says, ugh, not you two again. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love it. I thought that would go down well. It's quite important people know who The Edge is, I feel like. But I guess once you've heard Bono, you probably assume he's the other guy in you two. Or the other guy. Before we started this podcast, Nate said... He's quite happy with this joke. So I had yeah. really high hopes for it. And what I liked about this joke in particular is Medlin laughed as much as I did. Yeah, that is rare. Uh, and usually it means you haven't heard it, right, Medlin? Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm, and quite often as well, I try and my head goes so quickly trying to think, what's the punch I'm going to be? And I, if I can get there before I hear it, I'm like, oh, yeah. But no, didn't get there. Nice. Awesome. I could tell it was a U2 joke, but I don't know why. I just hadn't quite got the punchline before you said it, so... Yeah, I think if you if if you drag out the punchline, people get there. Yeah, you have to kind of get that perfect timing. Uh, good, so, good delivery, you know. Nate. Good delivery. Thanks, man. I think the de- you know the delivery has got better and better as this has gone on. Become more confident with it. So you're definitely more comfortable in the role. I think. Yeah, I think so. Thanks, man. I might start retelling old jokes see if I can get better scores. Well, you could keep that for the summer edition of the. That's right, the sprint race. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I know what you're really waiting for. You're waiting for the mm. score. Yes. And today's score, Nate, is a nine. Yes. We've got, we've, it's been nine central recently. I was thinking about introducing a decimal place because I actually really liked it. And I was thinking about 9.5, but I feel like that would, at this why, stage, add in a decimal. Why don't we system. put all the nines into a little competition later in the year? <laughs> Okay, so if you want to keep putting good good jokes as a nine, then we'll we'll come up with the ultimate, the king of the nines. Oh, I like it. See, I like it because we've had a lot of nines. I feel like, and I feel like, you know, because you, you you don't want to give away that perfect ten, which I understand, but you're also like, well, that was a good joke, so it deserves a nine. No, I do. I I am more than happy to give away a perfect ten. The prob- the trouble is, it has to beat the Whitley Houston joke. Yeah, that's true. Oh yeah, well let's let's go for it. Uh, later in the year, Battle of the Nines. I'm game. Welcome to the Paddock, a podcast featuring stories following Formula One around the world. I'm Lawrence Bretto, senior writer at F1.com. And I'm Chris Medland, F1 correspondent at Racer. And I'm Nate Saunders from ESPN.com. And Nate is threatening to pull out old jokes again, which gives me a lovely segue into a review we got, because I like doing these. Oh, I like that. That was Um, smooth. Because that review references a joke. Uh, We got this review from Raina Nayi, who gave us five stars. Get in. Thank you. Thanks, man. Uh, Raina, the check is in the post. Uh, and the review says one of the most entertaining and somehow still informative that's in brackets and I love that (laughs) and somehow still informative F1 podcasts out there and Lawrence you did Nate dirty with that Wimbledon joke that was defo a 10 oh and as always we love Gasly 
Yeah. Excellent. <laughs> yes. You know, you know, someone's a proper listener when they do that at the end. Yeah, nailed it. So, um, sensational scenes. Basically, we've peaked. That's us done. Uh, although now we have to be <laughs> yeah. somehow informative, which is really worrying. That's the bit that was worrying me because I don't. If if anyone finds the sixty second review like informative, we're in real trouble. <laughs> in the in the realm of the media, that would sum like sum up where things are going. Did you mention yeah. your sixty second review, Nate? Yeah, I did. It's almost like it's time to listen to it. <laughs> Still need a jingle for this, but anyway, here we go, and this will be mine and Barreto's first listen as well. Okay, so this is the 60-second review for the British Grand Prix at Silverstone. Lewis Hamilton shouldn't have had a penalty. Fight me. Charles Leclerc probably should have won. Gutted he didn't win, but still hasn't won in a legal car. That's right. Uh, The perpetually underwhelming Valtteri Bottas started third, was always third somehow, even when there weren't two cars ahead of him. He was still third somehow. Who knew? Lando Norris and Danny Ricciardo. Good job, McLaren. Carlos Sainz. What was that pit stop about, Ferrari? Come on. Is that Fernando Alonso in seventh, or is it Usain Bolt, king of the sprints? Uh, Stroll, Ocon and Tsunoda all did a great job. Pierre Gasly. We love Gasly. His tyres don't. He had a puncture. Gutting. George Russell, everyone, got a top 10 finish. Can I hear it for George Russell? Oh, wait a minute. He didn't do it when it mattered. He did it in the sprint race. Gutting. Uh, Giovinazzi. Uh, I never know what to say about Giovinazzi. Wait a minute. Nicholas Latifi's got some climbing boots on because he's up there scaling Everest in 14th. Kimi and Perez, they had a thing. Mazepin beat Schumacher, LOL. Vettel, litter pick. There's a career for you yet, man. And Max Verstappen uh, was just unlucky. And Max, we're super, super happy that you're okay. Um, and that's the review, everyone. Wow. Um, there's, oh. I, think, I think there's some good... We need to start recording the reactions, I think, because you guys, there's some top ones in that one alone, but every week there's a good reaction. That was spicy. I'm going to do it in reverse. Um, agree. Happy Max is okay. Seb, litter picking, and then you're like, there's a career yet for you. He's got four world titles. <laughs> but but what a hero for litter no, picking. I completely respect the man for doing it. Like, awesome. You know, I just yeah. really didn't know what to say at that point in the review, to be honest. <laughs> um, <laughs> and you... now I feel like it's going to haunt me forever. I love um, I love the Latifi love that was in there for the climbing boots because you know fair play it was only yeah, six yeah. seconds behind Russell I think at the end of the race yeah no um, and and keep them on please Latifi because we love that yeah uh, climber uh, what what else? Uh, there was obviously Paul Pierre um, which yeah we're gonna have to come to at some point we the, will there's the, there's the challenge there's, there's gold coming listeners don't worry about Pierre Gasly uh, and then I'm I'm thinking of Barreto's reaction to um, Leclerc and. Mm legal car so that was good um Beretta, anything you wanted to say on that topic concerned baby concerned, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah i mean you've always got to have the fishing rod emoji ready when you do a 60 second review um, oh, it, it was it was fun. you'd cast you, you had gone with some pretty meaty bait straight into the heart of the water i like 100 i enjoyed you um comparing fernando alonso to you saint paul yep I loved his sprint. His sprint start was fantastic. And I also particularly enjoyed the fact that you thought Lewis Hamilton didn't deserve a penalty. Yes, which I think probably puts me in a minority. But nope. I, I'm with I, you, Nate. Yeah, I'm starting to think well, that Lawrence, we might be in a minority. But <laughs> yeah, Lawrence and I are going to be the majority in this podcast. Let us discuss penalties and not the football kind. <laughs> <laughs> Where do we even start with this? Uh, I'm going to say we start with Lawrence. 
because you pissed <laughs> off half of Instagram today. What did you say, Lawrence? Well, I um, I didn't believe that it was Lewis's fault. Um, I thought that Max knew that Lewis was there and therefore when he turned in, knew that Lewis was still going to be there and therefore there was going to be an impact or a collision. Um, I think it was a racing incident overall and therefore that's why I don't think there should have been a penalty. But I think that some of the um, comments out there who are um, quite vocally and aggressively defending Max, I think are probably not looking at it fairly, to be honest. I think they're just disappointed with what happened to him as an outcome. And like we said right at the beginning, delighted that he's okay, that he walked away, that he got released from hospital and it's it's great because it was a massive shunt. But if we're looking purely at the incident and and their decision-making on the track, I, I don't think that what Lewis did was... Um, reckless and therefore or or the one who was at fault and therefore i don't think he should have got a penalty i agree eight so yeah i completely agree um i think if you're going to start giving penalties for that they might as well stop racing because the two guys going for a corner uh probably both not backing out one of them maybe should have done but at the same time when people were saying that the reason lewis hamilton has seven more championships is because he doesn't back out of stuff like that valtteri bottas would have done just to use an example and it was a great and and the thing is and Lawrence you said a lot of what I was going to say Christian Horner afterwards I was quite it's kind of awkward reading his comments back because I think he went really overkill you know calling Lewis amateur and all that stuff but there's a, a tweet going around where it was a screenshot of what Christian Horner said about what Max did to Lewis and the Spanish Grand Prix which is basically exactly the same move the difference being that Lewis moves out of the way Lewis doesn't commit to the corner and Max in this case did and Christian Horner in that case was like incredible driving. You know, he, you know, he just showed what a, what a, what a heroic, I, I, I'm paraphrasing here, but he's just glowing, glowing, glowing. And because the outcome of this one was A, Max went out and B, Max ended up in hospital, Horner's tone on it completely changed. And I think that, I think that the fact that, <clears throat> the fact that Red Bull came out so aggressively afterwards has kind of tinged it a bit because to me it was a racing incident. And yeah, it's a huge shame that Max went out and Lewis got to keep going because their, their fight to that point was amazing. That was a sad thing. Like, it was really great. Watch, I, I would pay money just to let those two guys just be like, right, you guys get this track for the rest of the day and you just get to race on it, you know, because they, they always seem to be really close together. Um, and Lewis clearly just didn't want to back down. And I don't think Max did either. And that's kind of what we want from a championship. And the fact that it had a penalty, I think that, you know, the FAA probably had too long to think about it, but I didn't agree with it at all. Racing incident. Um, I don't know if I'd have blamed Verstappen. I think, like, when you look at it, it depends on who you're watching. But I wouldn't have blamed Lewis either. Like, you know, he was squeezed into that position by Max. Um, and if he lifts off massively, he's going to lose, he could potentially lose a position to look behind him. So, um, yeah, that's my take. Medland, the counter, the rebuttal. I'm going to start with a point where I agree because I do think the Red Bull reaction was over the top. Uh, yeah, I think massively over the top. Yeah, like the, the the main reason that that collision happened is because they both were as aggressive as each other. Yeah, uh, neither was backing out, and therefore someone was going to come off worse. And you can't blame you can't go in so hard on one driver, um, like against the other. Like Max was a saint, and Lewis was horrific for that. Absolutely not. It was really fine margins. They they could have had a big shunt. All the way through that first lap, so many occasions. They were so close. Turn one, turn like what was it? 
Brooklyn's. Um, but the like, I mean, the Brooklyn's one down the down the Wellington straight. It was so close to each other. And if they tangle, then in a straight line, one, it's a huge shunt. Two, they are going to be livid at each other. But who would you have blamed for that? Because they were so close together. Again, like, should Max have moved over further and let Lewis squeeze him? Should Lewis have not squeezed him so far? I think that then what happened was off the back of it, Lewis knew from the sprint he had to get the move done. He tried it running outside of Cops in the sprint, wasn't on, saw Max walk away, knew their pace was close enough that whoever got into the lead early on would likely win the race. So Lewis was being more aggressive than we normally see because he's chasing in the championship, but he wasn't being any more aggressive than Max is. I think what Lewis didn't know, and none of us knew, is how Max was going to react because we have not seen Max leading a race, leading a championship like this in F1, to know if he sticks with his really aggressive approach or if he does a bit like Lewis does and like you say, and would yield in that situation. And I actually think Lewis found out just when it became too late for him to get out of that move. Because I think I think Lewis had to know, once he wedged it down the inside, he knew that was the only way he was getting passes on the inside and he got to the inside. But it happened so late before the corner. They didn't get back fully across left. Neither of them did. Max tried to open the corner up again. Max turns in and I saw Karun Chandok's um, analysis which was good but he says like max looks at him um you know opens the wheel sees lewis there and then turns in again i'm like this was milliseconds at 180 miles an hour if anything what max is doing there is opening the wheel slightly to open the corner a bit more because lewis is there but still trying to hold on on the outside lewis just understeers a bit on dirty tires on a tighter line the speed he's going in from that angle he's not making that corner cleanly and the fact that they were as good as alongside each other like neck and neck at one split second before going into the corner and that the contact happens with Lewis's left front and Max's right rear tells me Lewis was still trying to get out, realising, you know, with Max coming around the outside, this isn't going to come off. And at that point, it is on Lewis. You can't just barrel in and assume the other car gets out of the way. You have, you have to make the pass cleanly. Now, it was such a fine margin again, which is why I agree with the penalty. Like 10 seconds was, you know, it could have been five, but... I think that stewards were probably over overawed a bit by the fact that Max had such a huge shunt afterwards. But that was that was essentially millimeters. If Lewis just manages to pull it up enough more, his his front wing might clip Max, or they'll just miss each other, and we'll be like, "How close was that?" And we'll be talking about an epic. Like it's not like they clattered into each other like side on side, or Lewis t-boned him at a horrific angle. This was so close to actually not happening that I do get the argument of racing incident when people say that. Um, I don't blame Max at all. I, I genuinely don't. I think he was he was keeping his car on the track. He was going around the outside, yes, but he was in the position to hold on there. And he's kind of putting his... I'd say it was a sign of respect, the fact that he turned in, that he was putting his faith in Lewis. He's raced him a lot. He's seen Lewis race clean and hard and fair. And he was thinking, Lewis will give me racing room. Lewis did try, but was being a bit more aggressive than normal. And I think it was, it was only slightly 60-40 more Lewis over racing incident to me, which is why... I was completely fine with the penalty that came. You can't then judge the future either. You can't say, well, it's not enough because he won the race. So what? You don't know what it would do. He might be DNFing in two laps. He might be, you know, it might have damaged his car so much that he limps to ninth. You can't project what might happen. You just have to look at that incident. And I feel like I do get the argument that it was close, but I definitely don't blame Max. And I'll tell you what I did do, genuinely. Um, I did a poll for this because um, I love doing polls on Twitter. But one, it was it banged. Over 10,000 people voted on this. Um, and I gave the three options of Hamilton's fault, racing incident, Verstappen's fault. Not in that order, actually. Put Verstappen in the middle. 4% said Max. Only 4%. 54% said Lewis's fault. 42% racing incident. And to me, yeah, that's about where it is. Like I can see coming down on the line, like you both say, of racing incident. I can see the argument. I just think it teetered a bit more towards 
you know, it's on Lewis because he's the car on the inside and he's, he's either got to make that pass clean and give not give Max the option to basically turn in um, or he's got to get out of it at 180 mile an hour into that corner. And he went for the latter, I think, just a bit too late. But yeah, it got people talking, didn't it? It did. And, um, you know, we won't talk about what some people were saying on social media because I feel like that's just, you know, beneath <laughs> beneath most reasonable people. But what was interesting about social media and uh, the reaction afterwards is I think that especially in Formula One, and it happens in, like in, in sports games as well, where you, you watch an incident over and over again. The more you watch that incident, the more detached you become from the reality of how quick it was. And I found it amazing. I saw people saying, and like you, I think you, you mentioned, Mendes, you know, like saying, oh, but Max did try and turn out. And that's like a momentary move of the steering wheel. That's not, and I'm not, this isn't to get into Max's head or anything, but there's no way he he thought to himself, I'm going to turn, you know, these are, these are, these are kind of like almost like muscle memory. This is almost like just reactions. So to then attribute those kind of steering wheel movements to somehow Max meant to do this or Lewis meant to do that. It's kind of crazy. And it's kind of sad to see. I, I tweeted that, you know, F1 stewardings in safe hands because all the experts on Twitter, like the amount of people that could see stuff and seemingly knew everything about racing, a, you know, uh, driving a race car. Um, and I, yeah, I think you see that straight up but my my thing is i got a few a few texts from people who watch f1 most people just thought it was a racing incident and i think that if you watch it in real time it just looks like two guys go for a corner and it the, the gap kind of just closes and i don't really like this idea of trying to blame one driver i know that sometimes you have to but in a lot of instances you're just like these these are all racing drivers and the thing just to go back to horner when he said max uh, lewis put max in jeopardy in my opinion as soon as they get in the car they're all putting themselves in jeopardy you know this idea that like Lewis put Max, I really, that quote actually really grated on me because I felt like it was just really irresponsible for Warner to say, um, because, you know, going into Stowe at that speed, they're all putting themselves in jeopardy anyway, you know? And so, yeah, I just, I, I think it was a, a racing incident. And I mean, it's got us talking, like you said, and this championship now is defined by that moment, which is going to be great. It's a bit like uh, Rosberg and Hamilton in 2016. It kind of gives it a moment that you can kind of talk about and remember um, so yeah, I'm, I mean, from a from a journalistic perspective, we're super lucky that happened in the way it did because it, it could have gone the other way if Lewis had gone out and Max had won, championship over, basically, mm-hmm. regardless of who's to blame. Like that's that's it, that's game over. Um, but this has really kind of just blown it wide open again. And yeah, that's one of the things that I agree with you in terms of, and I can understand where like Bretta was coming from as well. That Max being on the outside and did know Lewis was there, like turning in knows there's a chance it's going to go wrong. He does know. Um, I just don't apportion blame as such for that. So, yeah, when you say about Lewis putting him in jeopardy, no, like you said, they're racing drivers. They make those decisions at those times for themselves. If Max was really worried about being in jeopardy, that Lewis was you know, going to risk his life or something, A, he wouldn't be racing, but B, he wouldn't be turning in at that point. Like Leclerc basically tried not to. He knew the risk of if he tried to pinch Lewis towards the apex of that corner, probably because yeah. of what he'd seen before. Um, yeah, and, he, so, and, yeah. he, and he drove pretty he drove that pretty sensibly he knew he didn't have and, and it's different he knew he had the slower cars you know tires were not in the same place and, and he ends up going off though and that's one where i'm like well if he stays on the track you know is there contact then i don't think so looking at where lewis ended up on that occasion i think lewis is actually a little bit slower in the corner and a little tighter too to make sure it's not going to happen again but um that's one of those where i'm like i can fully understand as well when it's both drivers involved we're in a situation like that there's definitely part of it that is either could avoid it just which one really had the more responsibility of the incident when it can be that outcome um and for max like he 
now he's going to have to review do you know would i do that again in that same scenario not because it's you know not going to back down against lewis but it did hit his championship hard like even if lewis is unable to win the race he's still going to take more points back than he would if max finishes second to lewis and sometimes it's better to be kind of wrong and not turn in but have a you know live to fight another day in the race than right and entitled to your turning point and have this shunt and score no points. And uh, it's something Philippe Massa always used to do against Lewis, I found. He quite often would find himself in a position, was it 2011 they kept colliding? He'd yeah. always be in a position where basically Lewis had put them in the spot of, we might crash. And Philippe would be like, well, we're going to crash because I know I'm in the right instead of I could avoid this, which I always think is the wrong attitude to take. I think this could be what defines the chairmanship in that Imagine if Max looks back at this at the end of the season and thinks that if he had have let Lewis through and lost this race on a weekend where, you know, it could have gone either way, but we're now going to Hungary where they're probably going to be stronger. If, you know, it, it just could have changed the, the, the structure and the direction of the championship. And I suppose that's what I was thinking about is that it's, it was almost, you can say a racing driver always goes for, goes for it and always tries to make the best of a best situation but Max is challenging for his first title like this is the first chance he's got and this is probably the best one he's going to have for we don't know how long so why would you not play the odds at this point and and if you see that Lewis is coming and you know at one point Lewis was almost alongside fully why not just let him take that corner and then he would have lost say seven points maybe six if he got the fastest lap and with a 33 point lead you know it's it isn't you know, it isn't that much. And I suppose that's what I think he might be kicking himself for going forward. I take the point that Max thought that Lewis was going to back out, but Lewis has backed out, what, three times this year, Imola, Portimao, Barcelona, because he was potentially thinking about the championship. Um, and so it's, I don't know whether it's, is it naive to think that Lewis is always going to do that when the championship is, you know, coming to a point where Lewis needs to basically do everything to keep himself in it. Like, I don't know. Maybe that's a bit of an experience. I don't know. Um, but I just think, I think there's a few things here, really. Lewis was pumped as well. Like, this race was the one where he was going to not back out. And Max, you know, Max probably should have known that. It's like, you know, he won qualifying and then I beat him to the sprint. Like, this is Silverstone. He always talks about the fans here. Mm -hmm. Like, if there's ever a time that Lewis isn't going to back out of something, it's right there in that moment. So I agree with you. I think um, it's quite interesting. Imola is when he went over the chicane, isn't it, at the start? And that, to me, I know like it was good driving for Max, but it was quite clever from Lewis as well because you know he lived to fight another day. He kind of thought, okay, whatever happens here, I'm still in the race. It could have gone badly for him. He could have you know damaged his car or whatever. But and I know Imola then obviously went a lot differently later. But I'm just talking about that moment. So um, it's really fast. Like we're getting this like you know this old experienced guy versus the young rash. Mm -hmm kind of you know raw talent and i think that that is as fascinating as the the racing that we're getting is kind of how that's playing out and also toto wolf the way he responded very calmly you know and then horner very kind of emotionally i think that that it shows you how the two teams have been operating for a while so just brilliant <laughs> a, a bit i do think wolf would have reacted emotionally if it had been sure. the other way around yeah, yeah. Um, that's, that's true I, I didn't mean that to sound harsh on horner red bull but um in that moment they clearly felt like they'd lost something big yeah, and I agree with you. I still think that they probably crossed the line with some of the way they spoke. But, I mean, it was interesting to see the emotion, wasn't it? And um, I think part of it just was about how, as Barreto says, kind of should Max have known that Lewis wasn't going to be like that all the time. And clearly not. That's not how you win seven world championships, by always yielding every opportunity. But flip side is Max has never shown 
anything other than what he's done and been aggressive. There's never been a time that he's bailed on something. So Lewis probably should have known that too. So I think I think it just all came together in that sense. This was the meeting point of um, kind of, what was it, immovable object and um, I was going to say immovable force, but that's not the saying, is it? Anyone know it? I don't know it. I'm sorry. No. Don't know what you're trying to say. Yeah. Wow. Um, controversy. Controversy reigns. Yeah. But, and... <laughs> but I'll tell you what isn't controversial, Nate. It's your love of Pierre Gasly. I can't even say it without laughing. Uh, I love it so much. That's great. So I messaged Laz. I was like, this is, <laughs> this is the way we move into the Gasly bit. <laughs> I, don't think you, I don't think you nailed that, Laz. I'm going to be honest with you. No, I, I would have given because... that. I would have given that a four. Because you were cheering and it put me off. <laughs> yeah, I was. <laughs> this, this is staying in. You don't get the second go, by the way. No, no, that's I, I, I concur on that. Okay, um, well, that's fair enough. But yeah. explain. Living by sword. Explain why we've had that segue. Why have we just seamlessly moved so, yeah, so, topics? Um, the challenge. I'm sorry, I've forgotten who it was who set the challenge. There was a specific person who asked. To be fair, there was multiple. There were multiple. Yeah, I think there was on this one, wasn't there? But they said they challenged me to say, to call Gasly babe to his face. Now, I think it was two races ago in the 60-second review, which is literally called, isn't it? It's called Nate called Gasly babe. So you know which episode it is. Um, I called him babe. So someone said, why don't you call it to his face? And we have the recording of how my exchange with Pierre went down, um, which I believe we're going to play now. So, yeah, it was two two Twitter followers, uh, Linny B and Vernor, who both said that, that one of their ideas for your challenge was to call Naz- Gasly Babe. And, um, well, this was just, to be honest, this was frankly quite stunning at the start of, uh, of the week. Hello. Hey, Pierre. Hey, Fabi. Hello. Hey, babe. Hey, you know about it already. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know how I was going to bring that up to you, so I'm glad you've done it. Hey, dude. I knew I knew Josh would be there. Yeah, so uh, we can explain later, but I've got to call you that later in the weekend, apparently. Ah, okay, right. Yeah, but um, so how's it going, babe? I <laughs> think. <laughs> <laughs> so what you what what we cut off there was Pierre then saying, I think we I think it basically was like, I think we need to not do this ever again. <laughs> so I think and he was kind of laughing. And what was funny was what followed was a fantastic interview because that was just a, a Zoom call with uh, with Gasly. Um and yeah it followed a great interview. He was in really great form. So um not only did we take off the challenge but got a good interview out of it. Made yeah, Nate look hey. made Nate look like a good journalist. Wow. I Even know more, and more of these challenges. Stunning, stunning scenes. That was the biggest challenge of the wall someone sent in. Like, just be a good journalist. I was like, nah, I'm not doing that one. Uh, <laughs> that one's yeah, tough. Um, thoughts, guys, on that? A massive respect. You did it, Nate. Like, yeah. Way. Big, and, bigger respect for Pierre getting it in yeah. there first. Well, Andy, so people would have heard me say I knew Josh was going to be there. We've mentioned Josh Cruz before, who works for Alpha Tower. He popped his head up kind of in the corner, just in a very mischievous way. And I knew it had his, it had his fingerprints all over it, but I respect that. Yeah, I uh, I was impressed. What I liked was the glee with which you told us that you'd completed the challenge. Um, and then everyone else on Twitter was asking us, like, when were yeah. they going to find out and all this sort of thing? And I was like, well, we can't tell you, but yeah. I hope it was so, worth the wait. These guys, I said, lads, we've got the name of the next episode. Yeah, called Nate, babe. <laughs> and they were like, no. What was funny, though, so um, later in the weekend, because jo- I, th- I saw Josh at the Alpha Tauri 
just outside Alpha Tauri hospitality later. We joked about it and he said, but you know, you've still got to do it at the mix zone, you know, because that's actually what the challenge was. So I said, yeah, yeah, you know, if the, if the chance comes up, I will. On Sunday, when I was down there in the mix zone, Pierre was like pissed off. You know, he'd had that puncture, he'd been in the points, he'd come out and Alpha Tauri, he felt probably, you know, they had been overachieving with the position he'd been in. So felt like his big points he'd lost. And I was looking at him and he did like, he looked at like me dead in the eyes as if to be like, don't, this isn't the, the moment to do this. Cause Fabi, who is their press officer was looking at me as well. Like, Oh, is he going to do it? And I was like, absolutely, absolutely not. <laughs> like that, you know, there's, it, it, there's, there's a moment for it to be funny. And then a moment where it's just a bit, just a bit cringe. So um backed out of it there, but um yeah, I'm glad that I'm glad that that happened. I'm, I'm impressed. And I'm, sad that i missed it yeah so this is this is the the quick follow-up story that we need to tell is that we hyped this weekend as the week that we finally got to be together but because of the nhs app chris medland you were not able to join us indeed so uh yours truly went on tuesday evening uh last week to the mosley premiere that was actually really cool um and hugh grant was there um Gunter Steiner was there. Zach Brown was there, of all people. Um, a lot a lot of people were there, and it's very cool. And I'd seen the movie. That was great. Sat back down for dinner. It was late as well. I was like, oh, thank goodness. Get to eat something. There was free drinks. A lot of people hadn't seen in a while. I thought, this is going to be a really fun night. And my phone pings and says that uh, it apparently, it's like you can backtrace it. And on Friday at Goodwood, uh, I had been deemed a close contact to someone who has now tested positive of COVID and I needed to self-isolate immediately. So I had to leave everything. Like I'd had the starter and I just had to get up and apologize to the people at the table around me. I won't name names, but they were all like, I'll oh, just delete the app or ignore it. Um, I was like, oh, you can't really. So I went home. Uh, the next morning, I got my PCR test result from my pre-Silverson test. That was negative. Did a load of lateral flows, all negative. But with F1's rules of being in the paddock, um, basically... I was certain I was negative. Uh, at Goodwood, I'd been outside the whole time. I, anyone I spent time with hadn't had the same ping. None of them had tested positive either, so couldn't understand it. But you've just got to take it seriously. So I, uh, I'd had to head home and isolate and, uh, and miss Silverstone. So I was tuning in from afar, which was annoying. Uh, and then Zach Brown tested positive. Uh, two days later, we got that confirmed. And I thought, great, I've been a table away from him, back to back, but about two metres apart uh, for a spell of the evening before the film. I noticed he wasn't there afterwards. And um, yeah, my app didn't go off for that. So that's what I really find quite strange. But uh, yeah, kept testing. It doesn't, negative. It doesn't, transmit, it doesn't transmit back to back. Well, no, it, sh <laughs> it shouldn't, should it really? But uh, yeah. Um, yeah, it was it was it was a bit well, it's very frustrating. But the big loss, really, we're still in an unfortunate spell where you can do your job remotely very well. Um, but the big loss was not seeing you guys there. So we have still never had the three of us together at a racetrack since the start of 2019. Wait, goes on the street, and I don't know when it will finish because I don't know. I don't know if I'll go back. You know, in the next race or Monza. I'm hoping for Monza, but um, yeah, big question marks. Maybe Austin? Yeah, yeah, Austin, I think. You'd think so. ESPN, Racer Magazine, like we should all go. Um, I, I'm yeah. here for Barretto not making it to Austin. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't want to jinx this. So let's just <laughs> yeah, I don't want to talk. Let's not talk about this anymore because we, we hyped it too much. And I feel like we set ourselves up to fail. Yeah. But um, no, it was it was cool to be back. Like I, I found being back kind of, kind of surreal uh, and great fun, but just kind of, you know, 
the media center is kind of the same as it used to be, but also completely different, which is kind of a weird. And then you go out and, you know, the paddock, all the restrictions are different. You keep going to like walk into a hospitality center and then thinking, oh, I'm not allowed to do that anymore. <laughs> you know, and that's usually where you meet people and discuss things and all that stuff. So, um, but yeah, great to be back. And good to see so many fans there. Um, you know, I hope everyone stayed safe. I don't know if they did, but hope they did. Um, and it was boiling. There's the train. <laughs> Sorry. The hype train. And that was an eight cylinder Silverson hype train. It was, yeah. Um, it was absolutely baking as well, wasn't it, Laz? I don't know how you walked up and down that pit lane and paddock so many times. Yeah, so on Thursday it was overcast and it was cool. And I was like, okay, this is this is nice conditions. And then it got hot for the rest of the weekend. But frankly, we've been waiting for the summer in Britain to come. So I'm not going to complain about the good weather. But Oh, yeah. It wasn't a complaint. It was more just a comment. Uh, I don't deal well with the heat. I still enjoy it. But right now I am like literally melting. So I might have to, we might have to call it a day soon because I might just be a puddle of water by the end of this. <laughs> well, for- fair playing to you, Nate, for sitting on the side of the house, which is sunny. Yeah, he's got that desk sorted in the, in the in the cool spare room, which is both cool in temperature and cool in uh, status. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's that's good. This yeah. is quite funny actually. Watching, uh, it's a shame the listeners don't get this, but Nate has got gradually more red the longer we've recorded. <laughs> um, so we should probably let him. We should probably let him go. Um, so based on that, uh, Barreto, I want to know what your weekend was like, like Sunday especially, actually. I want to know. Well, I'll try like, and, some interviewing. I'll try and make it quick because take I don't want Nate to suffer anymore. <laughs> He's leaning back, go and make this stop, make this stop. <laughs> um, I had a Maggie weekend. Mega, Maggie, Maggie. Maggie. Stop prolonging Maggie. it. Stop prolonging it. I want to get out of here. What, kind of what, what does Maggie mean? Um, what I meant was Mega. <clears throat> uh, I had an awesome weekend. Um, I was working at Channel 4 and they were live. Uh, they had Tom Cruise on the show and they did a really wicked stunt sequence. Um, I didn't get to work with him, um, but the guy said he was mega all weekend. He sounds like a total dude. So, um, yeah, that was great. I uh, interviewed Lando um, for both the qualifying show and the race show. But then I was also in the pit lane during the red flag um, after the Max and Lewis incident and managed to grab uh, Christian Horner for a few words. And he was um, he was heated, shall we say, at that point the red mist had, had fully descended and uh yeah it was it was quite quite the interview i think so uh there was a massive buzz from that i've never done that before so that was pretty cool to be in the thick of it that actually felt a little bit more normal i think we've kind of got used to um the fact that during the races you can't really do much of that <clears throat> where uh, especially with covid whereas that felt like something that when i was hoping to get into broadcasting and then kind of trying to react to moments that was the kind of thing that i was quite keen to do so it's like a pretty special moment for me so all in all a pretty mega weekend and thanks for i know you guys were watching me nate was taking a couple of photos of me which is very good and chris the two at home they were just me lads they weren't even for any they were just (laughs) back back into my collection ready for his only fans yeah um uh, yeah so nate actually sent us a picture that he'd got of lawrence walking uh, along the paddock interviewing lando for the pre-race show i think it was and um and having to use his own like hold his own microphone and hold like a boom microphone for Lando. So it was a great bit of multitasking and have some, some good follow-up shots of Bretto looking very, very happy with himself with two microphones, uh, which we'll put on the socials. 
But then uh, I spotted in the coverage because I knew I knew these photos had been taken by Nate, so I could work out where he was. I spotted Nate lurking in the background where he's just leaning like next to a. <laughs> and I'm, I think I'm sending that Martin. photo. Yeah, you're on your phone. <laughs> um, you look very shady, so I, I yeah. froze my uh, my feed so that I could take a <laughs> screenshot of that and send it. Uh, which meant that I nearly was behind when the race started because I hadn't hit play and zoomed forward again. So everything was on a bit of a delay, but I managed to remember just in time. So um, yeah, that was um, that was funny. I enjoyed watching that from my living room. But uh, Nate looks like he's really struggling now. So also on the run plan is any other business? <laughs> Do you have any other business? I kind of feel like I want to find some business. Well, is is that the, like the other business could be me just be me just logging off because I am. <laughs> really warm i've sat in a terrible place in my house to record this and also my mac has started to like it sounds like it's about to take off so for 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 multiple reasons i have to go but any other business does that mean like any other business like you know just take your pick is it demand or is it like just if we have some i don't just if you you have them oh okay um uh well trying to think now really (laughs) (laughs) i know we'll let you go well we'll put you out your misery Nate, I mean, I was going to go in about five seconds anyway, so I'm just going to let you guys have your moment. I mean, we've not had that before. Someone storming off the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want it to be me, so I'm glad it wasn't. Glad well, thanks very much for sticking around, and thanks to everyone who was listening as well. Appreciate it. Please remember to hit the subscribe button and follow us on our social channels. You can read Chris's work on Mesa.com, Nate's work on ESPN.com, and my work on F1.com, and we're going to do this again very soon. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Sports Social Podcast Network.